This is MindSpeak. Everything you thought you knew about health is about to be turned on its head. I'm Holly Higgins, a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I'm here to show you how your mind can heal your body, your body can heal your mind, and no matter what you've been told, you are in the driver's seat of your life. Let's go. Welcome to the show. Before we jump in today, I want to remind you that my nutrition and mindset program, Whole Mind Redesign, is closing this Friday, January 17th, 2020. So if you are interested in that program, we need to talk this week. (laughs) I have only two spaces left at the time of recording this. I am recording this intro on Sunday, behind the scenes in podcast land. Anyway, if you're interested in the program, um, fill out an application ASAP. We will talk this week and we will squeak you through the doors of the program before it's too late. Again, that is my nutrition and mindset program. I basically teach everything I needed to learn to get where I did. It is in a small group format, but you get quite a bit of one-on-one attention from me, including your choice of a one-on-one coaching session or an RTT hypnotherapy session with me, which is kind of an insane value. It's like worth half the price of the program itself. So two spots left at the time of recording this. If you go to wholemindredesign.com and there is still a button there that says apply for a clarity call, that means there is still a spot left. So if one of them feels like it is supposed to be yours, I know it belongs to one of you. (laughs) I look forward to hearing from you. So that's all for now. Um, My nutrition practice will be closing for at least four months after this Friday because I like to give really personalized attention to the people that I'm working with. My RTT hypnotherapy will still be open, and that is private one-on-one only. That's open on an ongoing basis if you're interested in hypnotherapy. There's no fire drill to get through the doors, but for for the nutrition and the hypnotherapy combined, there's a little bit of a fire drill, and that, that fire drill ends this Friday. So holla at your girl if you want a spot in the program. Without further ado, let's go to the show. Welcome back to the show. We are continuing on with the Get Your Ish Together series where we talk about how getting your ish together in one area of your life can have a ripple effect on all other areas of your life. And I'm super excited about today's episode because we have an amazing guest on, Shira Gill. She's a coach and a professional organizer. And let me tell you from personal experience, if you can get your ish together in this area of your life, it is going to pay massive dividends. So Shira is going to give us some amazing tips and insight today. And I know you're going to love it. Shira, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. Wonderful. And can you tell us just a little bit more about what you do, who you serve, everything that's going on with you. Sure. Yeah. So I started my business about 10 years ago now. Um, I started off by helping busy working moms um, clear physical and mental clutter 
from their lives. Um, after having my first daughter, I now have two daughters and a puppy. I realized how much stuff comes into your house and how overwhelming it can be to manage it. So I have created kind of a toolkit and a framework that I've used to help hundreds of clients all over the globe um, that can help you regardless of your style, your space, your budget, or your lifestyle. So that's really my mission is just to help people clear physical and mental clutter so they can both reduce their environmental footprint, decrease stress, and create space for the things they really care about. I love that. So it sounds like your business was born out of your own struggle. Is that right? Or were you always kind of an organized person? I'm curious. Yeah. So I would <laughs> say I, I definitely was born with the, the organizing gene. And, you know, I was raised the child of kind of hippie liberal parents who always were talking about, you know, the importance of experiences and people over things. Um, what was interesting is I really loved fashion and style and interior design. And so while I kind of adopted the same values of my parents, like I also had a real gravitational pull towards shiny objects. And so <laughs> I kind of <laughs> developed my own little system for being able to indulge in purchasing things that I loved and bringing them into my space, but I hated clutter. So it became this like interesting push pull in my own life of how do you love and appreciate things, but then not get bogged down by clutter. And so that was something I kind of started figuring out on my own through college and in my twenties when I had my own space. Then when I had kids, it was like a whole new project to figure out because then suddenly there was gear and toys and presents and hand-me-downs and the clutter to me became really stressful. So that was something I figured out and then started teaching to other women. Ah, oh, I love that because it's a whole, like, I don't have kids myself yet, but I have little nephews and clutter follows them everywhere. It's like oh, yeah. three, three new toys a day. It never ends. <laughs> yes. And you're told, like, I think the second you become a mom, like, I just remember I was the first of all of my friends to have kids. And there was just like a sea of voices from everyone from, you know, peers who didn't even have kids, teachers, aunts grandparents telling me all the things that I needed to buy. Um, and I think luckily I, I had some little inner voice that, that really wanted to push against that. And so I kind of went on my own experiment to see how can you be a good mom and provide for your kids and also practice minimalism and minimalist principles at the same time. So that was what I really started exploring is like, what are the things that really you want to bring into your life to make your life easier with kids? And what are the things that just are clutter and noise and distraction and stress? So I kind of took myself through that thought process and then figured out it was something that I was very universal, that everyone in my mom's group was talking constantly about their houses and the stuff and the gear and how overwhelming it was to manage all of it. And so kind of initially, I think my mission was just to give people the freedom and this new perspective that they could say no to things. They could question, they could make their own rules. Um, and I found just kind of presenting what I did, like one example is my daughter had two pairs of shoes and 
people thought that was crazy. <laughs> but what I found is we were never looking for shoes. We never had an avalanche of shoes. It was like just the perfect amount for us. And so I started telling, um, you know, friends and people in my community, like, I think everyone should be able to define what is the perfect amount for them that feels good, that makes their life function better, that doesn't weigh them down. And so that's what really interests me in my work is the perfect amount is different for everybody, but everybody has their perfect amount. So that's kind of my quest is to help people determine that and set those parameters in their own lives. I love that it's not one size fits all. You know, I'm a nutritionist and health coach and, you know, with the food, it's never one size fit all. And I love that with the environment, you're also saying it's not one size fits all. But I think something that is very universal is unless we're intentional about clutter, I think we are all susceptible to struggling with clutter. And I am really interested. I'm going to just go deep on you immediately. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I am super interested in the psychology of clutter because I believe, and I know that you believe too, that clutter isn't just clutter. Clutter is indicative of larger themes in life. Yes. And I'm curious, what do you think clutter and excess is really about and why do so many of us struggle with it? Yeah. Well, I think the simplest way I can say it is I think clutter is basically delayed decision-making. Mm. So if you have a pile of things in your house that isn't intentional, I just think of that as you didn't have the opportunity or create the opportunity to evaluate those things. What are they? Do I need them? Where do they go? Do they have a home? You know, are they adding value or detracting from my life? Um, and so because every single item you bring into your home, you have to manage in some way, what I figured out kind of early in the game is the less you own, the less you have to manage. And so that has been kind of one of the biggest solutions that I have found. But on top of that, of course, there's bigger issues. I've worked with people who suffer from depression, anxiety, um, all sorts of traumas where they feel like they just kind of lost control over their life and their space is really a living manifestation of the bigger issues going on in their life. Um, the great news is that sometimes these problems can be solved in, in conjunction with each other. So I've really seen people hire me, you know, from a place of I've been stuck, I've been paralyzed for years, my house is a mess, I'm tired of staring at these piles and feeling this inertia. And what I find is sometimes you know, I'm all about taking action. And so even doing something really simple, like clearing one surface that has been sitting there for years and collecting dust can create a feeling of momentum and success for people. And so I find even the tiniest habit shift can really be a flywheel and a spark for change. Um, so that's one of the things I love the most about my work is that it really it's like creating change from the inside out and the outside in. Mm, that's incredible. And I've seen the same thing happen because in my practice, I, I mostly work with women who have depression and anxiety and support them nutritionally through that. But, you know, I play this fun game with all of my clients because it's like inevitably if they get the food, like, like if they develop a better relationship with food and they feel like that area of their life is peaceful and they have control over it, 
inevitably I play this little game in my head where it's like, I'm going to give you two weeks before you start telling me about how messy your house is, because I know that's where you're going next. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is such a universal struggle. And I think it's interesting because, you know, there was a time where I think stuff was really liberating for people. And I think we have really reached a tipping point where it's just become almost universally suffocating in our country. There's so much of it. The pressure to consume is so huge. And it's a really easy way for people to buffer, you know, just as they use food or alcohol for distraction. So many people, myself included, use shopping as a form of distraction. And so I think sometimes you really have to slow down and look at your habits and question them and ask yourself, like, is this behavior numbing or nourishing? Like, is it supporting my life or is it really taking away from me living my best life? And I think it's so tricky when there's noise all around you telling you that bringing things in and buying things for yourself or your family or other people is the solve. Um, I've seen in my work, it's really never the solution. Like stuff, bins, baskets, cars, none of that can really solve any deeper issues. It's like a quick band-aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that numbing, that buffering, that distraction. And you bring up a really good point, which is I feel like societally we're always going through pendulum swings. And if you look back to like the 50s and the 60s and the, you know, the advent of TV dinners and, and more and bigger and better things. And then for, for years and even decades, we were on this high of stuff of like keeping up with the Joneses and more is better. And the pendulum has really swung in the opposite direction now where I think more and more people are realizing the value of minimalism. And that doesn't have to be, oh, I have three things and I travel the world and I live out of a suitcase, but it's right. just more about intentionality. Yes. And I think there's a big misconception about minimalism. Like I almost feel like when I tell people I'm a minimalist or an aspiring minimalist, it's almost like a dirty word. And I think it conjures up this image of, you know, being in a stark white box or like being in a van down by the river. <laughs> but <laughs> I think to me, minimalism is like how I mentioned before, it's about defining the perfect amount of stuff for you. And so it's not about restriction. Um, it's really the opposite. Like I feel like the more I have taken the time to define what are the items I love and use, and I've really gotten rid of everything else, um, the more freedom I feel in my life, the more abundance I feel in my life. Um, it has been, you know, nothing but a net positive. So I just have to sneak that in because I think minimalism gets a bad rap. And I think, you know, traditionally it's been kind of all about like denying stuff and rejecting stuff. And I teach a really different form of minimalism, which is I think much more values-based. And it's really the big question is, is this stuff that I own adding value or not? And if it's not, then you know I would invite you to question it, to think about, could it help somebody else? Could it be a great donation? Is it something I can recycle? Um, is it something my neighbor could use? But really going through the process to evaluate what is the life I want to lead and what is the stuff that's going to support me and what's the stuff that's actually just standing in my way? 
I love that distinction because it's not about austerity or having this this Danish all white lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Although I do like an all white. Home. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that's just me. You know, I have I mean it's funny. I work with clients. I've had clients in tiny studio apartments and I've had clients in mansions that take up entire city blocks. And what I love is that the process is exactly the same. The questions I ask are the same. The stress points and the triggers are the same. You know, we're all just human beings trying to figure it out. And I think taking the time to really think about your future and what you want to create and then linking that to the things you own is one of the best things you can do for your life. Yeah, because freeing up your space, what I found, because I went through my own whole journey with clutter and and becoming a minimalist, you know, I'm not that extreme minimalist that we were talking about, but I'm very, very intentional with what I buy, how I use my time and, and all of that stuff. Because what I found is that it just freed up so many more things in my life when I wasn't spending all my money on stuff and things and, and kind of that bloated excess. I could make bolder decisions in my life and uh, because I had more money, because I wasn't always spending it on stuff. So I'm curious, what are some of the ways that you see organization free up people's lives? And I'm sure you have like dozens and dozens of stories, but what are some of the most common trends that you see? Yeah. Well, so I think when people come to me, the things that I hear the most frequently that people are seeking are, um, you know, efficiency. Like people say, I just want a place for everything. So I know where everything is, where it goes. I don't have to hunt in the morning, you know, for keys or a binder. It just has a home. So that kind of efficiency, productivity, um, clarity and control, I think is one of the biggest benefits of getting organized. You know, if everything in your home serves a purpose and has a clearly designated home, you can locate whatever you need instantly. You know, it just makes you feel in control of your life. Um, another big one I found is freedom, just a sense of freedom. And I can give an example in my own life. You know, one of my big values is travel and wanting to explore the world. And you know, from the time my kids were born, we've been Airbnb in our house and going and taking them off to travel. And being able to rent our house out actually has funded trips all around the world for us. And I know that we couldn't do this if our house was a wreck, right? Nobody wants to rent a house filled with clutter and dust. And so one of my big motivators has been I always want to feel like I can bring guests into my house, whether that's renting or hosting a party or having a play date. And I think that leads to a feeling of, you know, freedom and confidence that is priceless. Um, so that's like my big one is just feeling that your home supports your bigger values and enables you to do the things that you care about. So I think, you know, conversely, I hear all the time from clients, you know, I'm embarrassed to have people over. I don't want to host a party or a play date because it's going to take too long to like shove everything in the closet. And I don't want people to see how we live. So I think that is a huge, you know, blocker of living your best life, obviously. And so I think, you know, step one is clarifying the vision you have. So for me, it was kind of the freedom and the flexibility to travel, to host. I love having parties. I love hosting dinners. 
I love being able to have, you know, we just had five kids sleep over last night at our house and to feel like I can do that, you know, generously, um, and not feel any stress about having people into my space. That has been one of my biggest motivators. Mm, Cause it just, it just opens up your life in a way where you're not hiding and you don't have this anxiety and, and all of this noise in your head about, um, probably even I would imagine you see with your clients a lot, a lot of like self-shaming and beating their, themselves up of like, well, why can't I just get this together? Totally. I mean, I work with the most intelligent people on this earth, like tech entrepreneurs, NASA scientists, brain surgeons. And it's so interesting because they're so brilliant and productive and organized in their professional lives. So there really is a sense of shame and this burden of kind of almost like a dirty little secret mm -hmm. of like, if anybody saw how I lived, they would be appalled, you know? And that's a big cross to bear for people to kind of walk through their lives feeling like, I know I'm brilliant and together in, in this one area, but nobody can see my house. Um, and, you know, I really approach it with like a totally judgment-free lens and just curiosity. Um, and that's what I encourage, you know, all of my clients to do. And certainly all of your listeners is instead of coming down hard on yourself and, you know, judging and criticizing yourself to just start to get curious, like, why are all of these things here? You know, is it that I haven't had the time? Have I been stuck? Am I struggling with something deeper I need to look into? Like really just coming at it with love and curiosity, I think is the best, um, always the best option, right? <laughs> because if you're judging yourself and shaming yourself, you're just going to end up being paralyzed. Um, and so whenever I walk into a home, I just start by thinking like, what could this be? What is the potential? What's the vision? Let's really think about what you want to create and then just make a plan to get from point A to point B without any shame or judgment. Mm, it's so important because so many of us, um, you know, and I think societally we're taught, you know, if we can just whip ourselves into a hot froth of shame, you know, we'll finally be able to kick <laughs> our own butts and like right. <laughs> take action. Yeah. But that's not, not usually so much. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen positive action come out of negative emotion. Mm. And, you know, that was the, one of the biggest lessons I learned in my training as a life coach is if you want to take positive action, you have to feel inspired, creative, hopeful, curious. You can't feel, um, you know, you can't, push yourself to take action from a place of, you know, shame or frustration or self-loathing. It's just not going to get you the results you want. So when I see a client, you know, starting with that mindset, before we take any action, I always have to help coach their beliefs around themselves and their space and what they're capable of. Um, before we touch a single thing, because I know we're, nothing good is going to come from shame or paralysis or overwhelm. We've got to get to the point of like even a little baby step of just being curious or just being kind um, to yourself. Because really at the end of the day, it's just stuff. It's just piles of physical objects. That's how I see it. And so I'm always just looking at like, okay, like there's a mountain of stuff. No big deal. What do we want to do with it? Like what next? 
Yeah, they're just harmful inanimate objects. They're not they're not living monsters. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um oh, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, back to the negative emotion thing. If, you know, if if we're coming from a place of shame or beating ourselves up, that's where we very quickly spiral into, well, what's the point? I'm always going to be like this. Right. So I love that you do the mindset work too. Totally. And I think, you know, sometimes it's just about shifting the questions that you're asking. You know, like I, I hear a lot of the same repetitive negative questions from my clients. Like, why is this so hard? You know, why is it taking so long? Why haven't I been able to tackle this? Um, Instead, I always want to be like, well, what can we do to make some small impactful changes? What might feel a little bit better? You know, what is the next small thing that I can do towards achieving the goals that I want? And just those like little mindset shifts can be such a game changer for people because when you ask yourself the right questions, your brain will seek the right answers. And so if you're walking around asking all the time, like, why is my house a mess? You know, your brain is guaranteed to come up with a lot of answers. (laughs) But if conversely, you walk around saying, what can I do to improve this space? Your brain is going to go to work on that. And I remember I discovered this, you know, in my college dorm when I'd moved out of my house, I had a roommate, I had a little twin bed and no decor, and I hated my space. And I just started asking, what are some little things I can do to improve this space? That was all it took. That one question kind of set me free on a creative journey to figure out how do I maximize this tiny space? How do I share this space with someone who has different tastes than me? All of those things, just from shifting the question, um, I was able to reclaim control over my space. Yeah, because what you focus on expands. That's just the reticular activating system in your brain. It's like what I I say, whatever video game you plug into your brain is what your video or or what your brain is going to play. So if you play the, if you play the question or if you play the thought or the question of like, oh, I hate this. Why is it always such a mess? Your brain's going to feed that back to you. But if you plug in the question, what can I do to make it better? Your brain's going to feed that back to you too. Yeah, I love it. It's such a brilliant machine. (laughs) And I think I really didn't learn that until well into my adulthood, how much control we have over the things that we think. I always used to just feel like thoughts kind of happened to me, like landed in my brain. And now this new skill set that I've learned has been so liberating to look at what am I thinking? What is it producing in my life? And is it productive or do I want to let go of it and pick a new thought to focus on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't learn it until well into my adulthood either. I always just felt like a victim of my thoughts, like they were following right. me around. <laughs> totally. I know. Why don't they teach us this in kindergarten? <laughs> it is such a good question because I feel like it would change the world. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to spread the message as much as possible because it has impacted my life in every possible way to know that we get to choose what we focus on, what we think about, what we believe, what we feed our brains, Um, which is why, you know, I love listening to podcasts, reading books, like really being conscious of what I'm putting into my brain. Mm-hmm. Because if you just default on that and you just go on autopilot, well, you know, whatever you're consuming is going to shape your life. So you might as well shape it intentionally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And for people who might be listening to this, um, who struggle with clutter, because I think for so many of us, it's just so daunting. And we think about our whole entire house and like, there's no possible way I could ever tackle all of that because there's just so much stuff. Yep. What do you suggest for how and where people can get started? Yeah. So one of my favorite new concepts, there's actually a book called The Compound Effect. Mm. Um, it's by Darren Hardy. It's I think it's turned into my Bible. <laughs> and so The Compound Effect is just the principle of reaping huge rewards from a series of small, smart choices. And so the way that I think about this in terms of organizing a home is if you try to organize your whole home all at once, of course, you're going to be completely overwhelmed and not make any progress. But if you decide I'm going to organize one little tiny drawer, or I'm going to clear off one shelf, or maybe um, one bin or basket, then even if it just takes you five or 10 minutes, you start to see yourself taking action. You start to get this catalyst for change in the rest of your home and even your life. And so that's where I always tell people to start is, you know, if it helps, you can download everything in your brain, all the things you want to do, then just pick one. So maybe it's picking one room and within that room, breaking that down into the tiniest little area. So like a single surface, a drawer or a shelf. Um, and I am all about the 15 minute rule. Um, I even have a challenge I've been running on Instagram, um, which is hashtag 15 minute win to see what can you do in just 15 minutes. And it is honestly staggering, like what people are sharing that they've done in 15 minutes. Sometimes it's things that have taken 15 years to get to, and then just kind of tricking the brain into saying like, it's okay, buddy. We're just going to do this for 15 minutes. I find can be so liberating and inspiring. Um, and like an example, the other day I have, we share one tiny bathroom, my family of four, and it doesn't have a medicine cabinet, super limited storage. And there's just one drawer we have that has all of our products and our toothbrushes and sunscreen and all of that. And it was a big jumbled mess and it had been bothering me for a while and I hadn't taken action on it. And I said to myself, I'm just going to set a timer for 15 minutes and see what I can do. And I took everything out of the drawer. I wiped it down. I tossed the things that were old or expired or gross. And then I just kind of methodically put them back by type in the drawer. And it literally took me 14 minutes. Like I finished before the timer went off. I shared this on Instagram and it was so fascinating because I started getting responses from all over the world. Like this is what I needed. Thank you. Like I felt like I had to do everything all at once or nothing at all. Now I'm going to go do like my junk drawer or my refrigerator or my, um, office desk. And so that's like my huge advice is tiny, tiny actions. Um, I really swear by this 15 minute rule thing, setting a timer for 15 minutes, picking a very small space and just diving in and seeing what you can do. Um, and I promise if you can just get through that first initial step, you will literally shift your relationship with your stuff, with your space, with your home, even your entire life by doing this. It's gamifying it. Like it's almost making yeah. it a little game. And it's like, instead of like, oh, I have to do this. It's like, oh, I wonder what I can get done. 
Totally. Like I do it with my kids all the time, you know, to get out the door. I'm like, can we put everything away in under two minutes? And they're, I, I will be like, go. And you know, sometimes we put on music, but it is like as much as you can make things fun and playful and like a game in life, I think the better. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I've actually used, um, I came across your 15 minute win challenge a while ago. Um, I don't know if you had been calling it the 15 minute win at that point, but I heard of this concept from you a while mm-hmm. ago. And I use this with clients pretty often and point them to your site because they will do this and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I was able to get done. It's insane. Like I was dreading returning a bunch of stuff for my daughter that didn't fit her from a local store. I was like, had this bag by the door, didn't want to do it. And then thought, let me see if I can do this in 15 minutes. And suddenly it was just like you said, it was like gamifying it and making it kind of like a fun challenge. And this thing that I had been dreading for weeks that was like really annoying by the front door, I got in my car went and returned it. There was no line at the store. It took about two minutes for them to refund my money. And I was just stunned by it. Like what our brains do and like how we come up with the justification to not do things because we make it so big and looming. When really, when you actually get out of your way and just do the thing, it is shocking how little time it takes. Yeah, it blows my mind. Um, I just moved this year, but back when I was living in Michigan, I lived in this old historic home and there was this piece of trim on the doorway that for years and years I would walk past it and and every week or so this piece of trim would catch on my belt loop and then it would like (laughs) fall to the floor. And then I would like prop it back up and I'd be like, okay, I'll get to that later with like the glue and the nails. Like I'll take care of that when I have time one day. And then when my butt finally went and did it, it took like three minutes. Right. I know. Isn't that wild? (laughs) And then I was like cursing myself for the the five or six years that I'd spent ignoring this stupid little piece of trim that caught on my belt loop. I know. It's the funniest thing. My neighbor just had one of those like play tunnels for her kids. It was broken. There was wire sticking out of it. And we do puppy play dates. So I'm always moving this broken thing to bring my puppy into her backyard. And I finally said to her, is there a reason you haven't put this in the trash? And she was like, oh my God, it has literally been there for four years. And I said, do you think I could put it in the trash for you? And she was like, a hundred percent. And I think sometimes you, and of course it took literally two seconds. Like she had a dumpster in front of her house, but we had both been walking around this thing for years. And I just thought that is hysterical that like you just get so used to the things in your life. You don't even question like, what is this doing here? And why have I not just dealt with it? So I think the more you can just get curious, like start looking around your surroundings with fresh eyes and really thinking like, what is this? Can I deal with it in 15 minutes or less? Mm. So good. So good. So everybody go out and do your own hashtag 15 minute win. Please. I love seeing them. I started getting them from all over the country and I post them all on my Instagram so you can see what other people are doing. Um, And I find it totally inspiring to see what other people can do in 15 minutes or less. Ah, so good. So good. And I can speak from experience. That's how I ended up um, decluttering my entire life. I had a Mm. question just come to me 
Um, is there any mainstream clutter or organizational advice, like popular clutter organizational advice out there that drives you bonkers that, that like you don't agree with? (laughs) Totally. Um, well, so there's a few things. So like my number one is organizing before decluttering. Um, and that is a really common practice. Um, so, and it kind of goes hand in hand with splurging on organizing products before you've decluttered. And so this is what I see like time and time again, is people have this idea, I'm just going to get organized. And they run to the container store and they buy every bin and basket and they buy a label maker and all the pretty things. And they go home and they just start moving their stuff around and putting it in different bins and baskets. But really, ultimately, that's not going to solve anything if you have not edited first. Mm. So my kind of saying around that is organized clutter is still clutter. So even if you're putting things in nice bins and baskets and you've got your label maker out, if you haven't taken the time to really thoughtfully evaluate what you're keeping and storing, it's still not going to feel like a relief ultimately, because you're just going to have more stuff than you need, more stuff to go through, more stuff to manage in pretty boxes. So that's like my, my big, big one is, and it's interesting because whenever people hire me, they're always like, okay, when's the fun part where we get to go buy all the things? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, slow your roll. Why don't we go through, figure out what you need? Then we can organize it using the things you already own. And then I promise I will help you elevate and style your space. And so when I do that, I find that, you know, by the end of the process, people are always stunned at sometimes they don't need to buy anything. I would say kind of the average is needing to buy a few things. So maybe it's like we go through a whole closet and we find we've gotten rid of so many things that now we have matching hangers and we can get rid of the random mismatched hangers. Or we thought we were going to need 10 bins, but now we've edited to the point where we only need four bins and my client already owns four matching bins. So that kind of stuff happens all the time, um, which is why I'm always saying to people, please, please take the time to edit and organize before you buy anything. You may not need a single thing. So important because that's, that's getting to the real root of the problem because our brains Ooh, in order to deal with clutter, I need to go out and buy more clutter. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Exactly. I'm going to go to the store and buy more clutter and that will solve it for sure. That will solve the clutter. Yeah. (laughs) I know it's very tempting, but my motto is do not go shopping without a budget and a plan. So, you know, by the time we're done editing and organizing, I always will say, okay, here are the few things I think you need. Let's take a picture of what you know, the volume is that needs to go in the spinner basket. Let's measure, let's decide how much you want to spend. And then we can go hit the store. Um, I'm all about, you know, elevating a space and making it beautiful. Um, but I find one of the easiest ways of doing that is simply by removing things. 
things instead of adding more things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such an important distinction. So everybody go out there, do your own 15 minute win. And if they want to <laughs> share that with you, share it on Instagram. Cause a lot of my listeners um, and, and myself too, we're big Instagrammers. How do people like, what do we tag? How do we share that with you? Yes. So um, you can just share it, you know, on your feed or on your stories and tag me at Shira Gill. Um, and then hashtag 15 min win. So M I N W I N. Um, and if you follow me on Instagram, I have a whole highlight on my Instagram called 15 minute wins. So you can get inspired, check out other people, see how people are using that strategy. Love it. So we'll definitely be doing that. And I'll link all of that up in the show notes. But aside from the 15 minute win and giving you a follow on Instagram, where else can we connect with you? What do you have going on? Any special things coming up for you? Yes. So I'm actually launching a brand new program um, to kick off 2020. Um, It is called Get Organized Masterclass. And it is a four-week program um, where I will basically teach you all of the fundamentals of how to get out of overwhelm and into action, how to prioritize and constrain your to-do list, Um, all of the nuts and bolts of editing and organizing and styling every single room in your home. Um, And we're going to pick a project. So I'm even picking my own project for this one, which I've never done before. So I'm going to be taking um, participants behind the scenes in my own home and life to show how I deal with my own overwhelming projects. Um, And we'll be kind of in it together for four weeks. Um, And so I am offering that. You can find it on my website, which is shiragill.com. Fantastic. That sounds fun. Just everybody doing it together. Yes. Oh yeah. It's going to be a blast. I've done this. I've done a workspace makeover program and I also have a closet makeover program. And it has been so fun to see people from all over the world going through the same process, sharing the crazy things they find in their closet (laughs) or in their junk drawer. (laughs) Like we're really all in this together. But I find for me, like having structure and accountability and support is always how I get things done. And so I thought, how can I apply this to editing and organizing, which I know is such a universal pain point for people. How can I make it fun and efficient and community-based? So this is my solution to that. I'm super excited and would love to see you all there. That sounds like a blast. And one last fun question for you before we go. You, you just made me think of this. Yes. What's, what's the weirdest thing you've ever found when decluttering? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to know, but... <laughs> I kind of do, or if you kind of do. Okay. All right. Well, I'll share it. I came across a bag of cat poop in a closet. (laughs) No way. So you're welcome. Oh my goodness. I can't lie to you. So that is for sure the weirdest thing I found among many, many others, you know, like broken microwaves, you know, equipment from the eighties, video games. Like, I mean, anything you can imagine under the sun, I found it in a closet. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, but cat poop kind of takes the cake and I'm a huge, right? cat, I'm a huge cat lady. So I appreciate that. But I, I tend to put mine in the trash. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I recommend it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You're welcome for that gift. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. And, and um, this is so great because um, I talk a lot about digestive health in my practice and, and nearly every episode I've done has a poop joke. So I was wondering, oh my God, I'm so glad. I was right. wondering how we were going to fit that into this episode and you just did it for me. <laughs> right. Way to wrap it up with a nice clean knot. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Shira. This has been a blast and we will link everything up in the show notes so listeners can find you and get connected and declutter their lives. Fantastic. So fun to chat with you. (laughs) Thank you. That's it for this week. If you have been inspired to clean up a little corner of your life, I want to see it on Instagram. And so does Shira. So take a picture of your before and after. Tag me at Holly Fisher Higgins. Tag Shira at Shira Gill. Hashtag it. 15 men win. We will repost. We will celebrate. We will give you virtual high fives. There is nothing that feels better than decluttering. Okay, maybe a few things, but it feels so, so, so good to get the junk out of your life. So please participate in this goodness. Tag us, use the hashtag, and we will celebrate together. That is it for this week. If you have a moment to drop me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it really, really helps the show out. It also helps me when you take a screenshot of the show and you tag me on Instagram. I love to see you guys spreading the love about the show. So anything on those fronts you can do will help other people find this goodness. Because that's what I'm trying to do. Just spread a little goodness in the world. And don't forget, if you are interested in my program, head over to wholemindredesign.com and fill that application out ASAP. I will link it up in the show notes. And until next week, go believe in you. I do.